You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got you. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host Rob Myers and we're going to be continuing on with Batman Year 3 which I know does not have very very much Tim Drake in it at all. But as I said in the last episode, that I really feel like this is a companion piece or a prequel, if you're looking at it as far as Tim Drake goes, to A Lonely Place of Dying. I think these are two stories that go uh, really, uh, really well, and they're kind of hand in hand with each other. And it's really kind of disappointing that uh, DC Comics never got around to uh, making a Batman Year 3 into a trade. I've always liked the story. I believe I said in the last episode that currently they have, you know, going back through and be, been reprinting some of their uh, graphic novels and uh, A Death in the Family and uh, Lonely Place of Dying are now actually combined into one trade. And I think they could have taken it one step farther by doing A Death in the Family, Batman Year Three, and Lonely Place of Dying and do kind of one a uh, big volume of this uh, story because I really think it's a it's a nice uh, arcing story with the the death of Jason Todd, Batman kind of grieving, and then you have the relationship of Bruce and Dick, and then bringing in the new Robin with Tim Drake. And uh, I kind of want to apologize to people. I've been saying, hey, I'm going to be doing uh, this uh, Tim Drake podcast. Is something I've really been wanting to do. And then I decided to uh, launch it the uh, first uh, week of December. And then Christmas hits and uh, New Year's and everything like that. And my wife and I both decide that we're going to get sick over the holidays. So now we're into the uh, first uh, weekend of January and I'm finally getting around to recording episode two. Uh, there are parts of this that are actually recorded before <laughs> I had gotten sick. So uh, some of this could be a little bit of an overlap depending on where I splice this conversation uh, back together. So I just wanted to apologize to anybody that was like, well, hey, we were looking forward to episode two. And then uh, my wife and I decided, you know what, we're going to get sick and we're going to be out of commission for the whole entire uh, Christmas uh, season. I had family coming in. It was really nice to be sick and then talk to them on the phone and be like, yeah, we'd like to be around you, but we don't don't want to make your kids sick. So uh, we're back here. 
depending on when you're listening to this, if somebody is just now stumbling onto this podcast, it could be April, and uh, I'm talking about Christmas and New Year's. But if you are listening in the month of January, hopefully the New Year uh, found you well, and you are on the right foot, and uh, we are trekking down through Tim Drake's uh, origin, even though it's a loose origin in this first part. But I did uh, feel that Batman Year 3 warrants a... Uh, going over uh, again, you'll probably hear me say it for the next couple episodes. Uh, these are the relationships that are in place once Tim uh, makes his uh, appearance in the Bat family. That why why is Batman the way he is? Why is Nightwing the way he is? And why uh, is Alfred the way he is? It all really comes to a head in these four issues that kind of sets the wheel in motion for Tim Drake. So uh, let's get right into this uh, synopsis and uh, this episode of uh, Robin Everyone Loves a Drink. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and uh, let's get the show started. Batman 437, Year 3, Changes Made, Writer Marv Wolfman, Pencils by Pat Broderick, Inks by John Betty, uh, Letters by George Costanza, Adrian Roy was the colorist, uh, Dan Rapsler was the associate editor, Denny O'Neill editor, and Batman created by Bob Kane. When we last left Batman diving through the window to try and save cocaine manufacturers in a mansion... Uh, Kind of ironic, huh? As the helicopter opened fire upon them. We find that Nightwing is trying to track down Batman to see what has been affecting Bruce, like he doesn't already know. Nightwing finds the bar where Batman has beaten almost everyone senseless inside. This is just sloppy. 
The patrons of the bar tell Nightwing that they don't know anything and that Batman just kept shouting about the gang killings. One of them told Batman about a rumor about Ricky Rossley, but Batman didn't believe him and just kept punching him over and over in the face. After Nightwing finished up questioning the others what Batman had told them, he called for an ambulance. What was it that made Bruce Wayne snap? As Nightwing rode away with the possible locations of where Batman was going, he recalled all the things that Bruce taught him in the early days about using your head, more so than using your fists. When Nightwing arrived at what was left of the mansion, he frantically started shouting for his mentor and started tearing through the fiery rubble. He shouted for Batman and heard in a low voice, Here. Nightwing heard the faint voice and rushed to the sound of the voice. When Nightwing arrived at Batman's location, Batman almost called him Robin but stopped himself short and asked what he was doing here. Nightwing asked if he was all right, but Batman wouldn't answer. Nightwing asks again, and finally Batman tells him that he had almost cleared the wreckage and didn't need him. He tells Nightwing that he noticed cars disappearing into the mountain and trucks seemed to appear out of nowhere. This was obviously a supply tunnel. Batman told Nightwing that during the firefight, he figured out there must have been an entrance inside the mansion and found it behind a painting. He said he found it just in time as the mansion came crumbling down around him, but he was safe. Batman asks Nightwing how he was able to find him. Nightwing tells him that he left a yellow brick road full of blood and it wasn't all that hard to track down where Batman had been. Dick Point Blake asks him what's been going on lately. At this, Batman simply turns away from Dick and heads to the Batmobile. Nightwing, stunned by this, calls after him, but Batman does not turn around to look back. Nightwing hops on his bike, off to follow Batman. Alfred returns home to an empty Wayne Manor. He knows that the parole board is going to release Tony Zuko. Alfred feels that he should have said more to the parole board to make them understand. But in a week's time, a man who killed the Flying Graysons will be back out on the street. Alfred stops to look at a photo of Bruce and Dick in the earlier days on a camping trip. Alfred thinks to himself that he has failed him when his parents died. Now he fears what his reaction will be once he learns that a killer has been set free. How will he handle this? Alfred wishes he would have been there to temper his anger as he did with Dick. It's flashback time. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, we see that Alfred is at the orphanage to pick up Dick Grayson. Sister Mary says that they are thrilled that someone like Bruce Wayne would, would take in Dick, but it's what the papers say about him. He avoids responsibility, and Alfred immediately cuts her off and says, and don't forget about the women. He tells her, Sister Mary, you can't believe everything you read in the papers. Alfred reassures Mary that Bruce wants to take Dick in as his ward and will not skirt out on the responsibilities. He knows this for sure. Dick is saddened to leave Sister Mary, and she tells him that he is free to come visit her and tell her how she's doing. In the limo, Dick asks why Mr. Wayne would want him when he could have any kid in the world. Alfred tells Dick that Bruce was there the night his parents died, along with Tim Drake, but shh, we haven't got to Tim Drake yet. And that Bruce hasn't uh, said it, but he thinks that Bruce sees a part of himself in Dick. Like Dick's parents, Bruce's parents were killed by criminals also. The two arrive at Wayne Manor. Dick is amazed by the size of the place. It's just Bruce and Alfred and a few staff workers, which ironically only work during the day. Dick is eager to meet Mr. Wayne and is excited to be able to live here. Bruce's voice can be heard in the room saying that he hopes Dick feels the same way after the two of them have gotten to know each other. 
Dick didn't see Bruce a moment ago and asked him where he came from. Bruce replies, downstairs, as he's leaning up against a gigantic grandfather clock. Dick wants to ask him something, but Bruce proceeds to take the young man along a tour of Wayne Manor. After the tour, Dick asks Bruce if he can ask him something. Dick states that Alfred told him that his parents were killed just like his. He only says it's been a few months, and it's all he can do to think about, and he wants to make Tony Zuko paid for what he did. Bruce asks him that right after his parents were killed, Dick said he wanted Tony Zuko dead. Did he still feel the same way? Dick replies, no. He knows that that won't bring his parents back, but he just wants to make Zuko pay so he won't be able to hurt anyone else ever again. Bruce says that there is a way to do that. Alfred immediately tries to stop Bruce and cut him off in mid-sentence as Bruce reaches towards the large grandfather clock. Bruce tells Alfred that if Dick wants Zuko to pay for what he's done, then Dick has to go about it the right way. Meanwhile, Dick is completely confused as to what Bruce is talking about as Bruce opens the gigantic grandfather clock like it's a door, revealing a hidden passage. Bruce tells Dick that two years ago, he fought violence with violence and that it was working, but criminals had gotten stronger and smarter, so he had to stay ahead of the game. Dick asks what this was all about as they proceed down a long, dark tunnel, a cave-like. Dick asks where they are going. Alfred replies to Master Richard, I presume you've heard of the road to hell, Master Richard? Once at the bottom, Dick notices that Bruce is gone again. How does he keep doing that? Alfred makes a comment about when one realizes one's mortality, continuity is sought, father to son. Dick, not quite understanding, asks if Bruce is going to die. A voice in the darkness replies, not for a long time. Just then, a bright light is turned on and Dick can hardly see. Bruce says that Alfred thinks that what he's doing is foolhardy. Alfred abruptly replies that wearing that costume and risking your life every night is irrational, and now what you're doing is wrong. It's hard to see, but Dick can barely see a figure in front of him in the light. Bruce states that what he's doing is seeking justice. How can that be wrong? Bruce tells Dick that he is going to make his life impossible and that he will study and train three times as hard as he did in the circus. The light goes off. Dick starts to rub his eyes and starts to focus on a strange image in front of him. He tells Dick that the city is corrupt and full of criminals and they go free and the police is outnumbered. He says that he can't fight the war by himself and tells Dick to think before he answers. Do you want to join me? Do you want to help me? Dick can now finally see the figure standing in front of him and replies, I, I do. Standing before Dick is the Batman. He looks at Dick and says, then welcome to your new home. Welcome to the Batcave. The training process had begun for Dick. He sharpened his mind, his body, his reflexes to think and act as if it were better than second nature. Hours of studying and learning also alongside Bruce even getting a new computer system for the Batcave that both of them would have to learn to use in their war on crime. It was important to think with their head, not with their fists all the time. Back in present time, folks, uh, Alfred is staring at the photo as he hears the door slam. Alfred heads down the stairs and hears Dick calling out to Bruce in the mansion. Alfred says that Bruce has gone into the study. Nightwing stops and wishes that Alfred had been exaggerating about Bruce's behavior, but clearly he was not. Nightwing and Alfred head up the stairs, commenting along the way that all of Jason's photos have been taken down. Alfred says that Bruce refuses to acknowledge Jason's death in any way, and since Jason's death, he fears that Bruce may not even care about his own life. Dick says it wasn't always this way. 
And guess what, folks? It's flashback time again. Bruce hands Dick a package and says that he thinks it's time. He tells Dick that he had it patterned after his circus costume, a reminder of his past and his future. Bruce says that the war has been weary and perhaps he too needs a reminder of what he's fighting for. On that night, Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder take to the streets for the first time. High top a rooftop, Batman tests Robin over what they have learned about Tony Zuko. Robin knows all the details about the club being a front and a drop-off point for the lowlifes and the stolen goods inside. Now weeks of tracking them down will finally pay off. Batman and Robin, for the first time, swing towards the building. Winston and North enter the back room where the others are talking about Zuko's little black book of names and dates that could put them all in hot water. Tony is making them split profits, 70-30, or Tony will turn over the book to the cops. At that moment, Batman and his new partner crash through the window. The crooks are shocked to see Batman. Well, sort of. Who is this punk with him? Robin swings on a beam, dealing out quips to the crooks, and saying that it's not nice to call him a punk on his first appearance as he lands a kick to the jaw of one of them, stating that the name is Robin, and not Robin Hood, you know, that's your guys' name, Hoods. Moments later, Batman and a very proud Robin stand amongst a pile of Hoods, as Robin called them. Batman tells them to tell Zuko that he's a marked man. Okay, guys, it's time to go back to real time again. Nightwing says that they moved with precision to scare Zuko. Now Bruce is ignoring everything he taught Dick, and he doesn't like it one bit. Nightwing says it's time they talked, and this time Batman is not walking away from him. When Alfred and Nightwing arrive in the study, Batman is nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, Ventura stops by the warehouse to see the operations before heading to the crime family's meeting. He says that whoever's trying to rub them out will soon be taken care of, as armed men arrive on top of the roof with rifles. Meanwhile, at the family's meetings, they are making a toast while eating dinner to the presumably dead Ventura and his men from the men that landed on the roof. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. The families are sure that it's none of them at the table that are killing off each other. As the waiters remove dishes from the table, one of the waiters uh, changes his clothes into something a little bit more intimidating. They agree Tony must be calling the shots and they will start taking actions themselves and start shooting up Tony's boys and establishments. If the assassin spills blood, then they will spill blood. Someone eventually will talk. At this moment, Batman enters the room and says, there's another way. So at this moment, the crime families stand up and draw their guns at the Batman. Meanwhile, Zuko's lawyer tells them that the parole board's findings have gone to the judge and the judge will be signing his release and it won't be long now. Tony has been planning this for 10 long years and he and his little black book knows everyone's secrets, even his lawyers. Nightwing races out of the Batcave to find Batman. Alfred knows that things have taken a turn for the worse. Bruce can't be reasoned with and Dick is full of anger and resentment. All because of Tony Zuko's release. Someone has to stop him. 
All right, that was another very dense look at another uh, issue of being Batman 437 in the Batman Year 3 storyline. Now, right away, somebody could be saying, uh, especially after the first episode, with this being a Tim uh, Drake-centered podcast, that somebody could be saying, well, Rob, why are you starting with uh, Batman Year 3 that Tim uh, really only makes one appearance? And that is then the uh, very first uh, issue that we just looked at, Batman 436. And uh, this is setting up the relationships of Bruce, Dick, and Alfred that Tim is going to be coming into. There's already going to be uh, the issue with Bruce uh, at hand, and this is the seeds for what uh, Tim is going to be finding out and the things that Tim is going to be saying to Dick of you know why Batman needs a Robin and Alfred really understanding how important Robin is to Batman and having that partner and Bruce being able to get through uh, the grieving process of Jason Todd. And doesn't that kind of seem familiar in current Batman continuity? But we're not talking about the new 52. We're talking about the old 52. Or Anyway, we won't get in the continuity headache there. <laughs> so uh, um, this, uh, sadly, uh, 436 and 437 are two issues that I do not have in my possession. Um Again, I think I said before, of going through different comic book shops and me not finding them. Usually I end up finding the latter two issues, um, uh, 38 and 39. Um, I saw 36 once, and for some dumb reason I talked myself out of it. So um, I'm not like jumping up and down with the new technology, being able to have digital comics. Um, I think I've said before, it's really kind of hard to bag and board your cell phone and be like, oh, this is my favorite issue of Batman. Um, It's nice to be able to do it for like this, or if I'm on a trip and I don't want to take my comics with me, I can have them digitally. Um, I wish they had it set up that you could scan the barcode of your comic, so that way you don't have to purchase the digital comic, because I already purchased the hard comic before but again uh so doing uh these uh last two uh, this episode and the one previous um i would like to go through the actual issue after you know the synopsis is done and talk about all the ads and the you know funny things inside the comic book but since digitally they don't reprint the ads or read digital <laughs> the ads in here it's just basically going to be us going through it um george prez did uh four amazing covers uh, as he always does but for this series uh this uh cover here for 437 i think is just a beautiful cover of uh dick grayson part of the flying graysons doing his quadruple uh backflip here and you can see him in four different poses here and then everything's in a black and white uh, scheme with a light being shown into uh, robin and I didn't see this uh, issue till many years later. Um, I didn't actually pick up my uh, first uh, Batman issue, uh, you know, monthly or biweekly, as it were, in the Times until Batman 438. So, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to uh, be able to look at this and kind of look at this front cover and see, you know, Robin on the front cover again for the first time in, you know, quite a while since uh, Jason's uh, passing. Um, I find it funny. Uh, now you'll see it going through the inner part of the issue here that it lists everybody that it has a hand in making this issue. But George Perez is not listed, at least in the digital form I have here. 
He's not listed as doing the cover. I'm trusting good old Wikipedia and probably, you know, 13 other Batman sites that I went through before I uh, started doing this. Let me get a little bit of a recap, uh, just a tad, a different perspective of the blowing up of the uh, mansion. You can kind of faintly see, and again, you have to forgive me, uh, digitally they don't number the pages, or that's not really pages, it's now uh, based in you know the little uh, cells or blocks, or panels as it were, but in one of them here you can kind of see the helicopter flying away, and you can faintly see that they drew like a body exploding. And, you know, I don't know if I would have noticed that back in the day, but I, I kind of see it here. Um, if you're looking at your uh, issue or looking at it digitally, it's right off to the left next to a red mountain chunk. And you can kindly see or kindly faintly see a, a human outline there, which I thought was, I don't know if it's a set of squibbles there, but you can kind of see a head, arms and two legs. So I think it's supposed to represent a person getting fried. So should tell you uh, how dangerous missiles can be. Um, and then, you know, as we're arriving into Nightwing coming upon uh, the bar scene where Batman had just, you know, beaten the tar out of everybody. And I like the, uh, the silhouette that Broderick is using here of uh, Nightwing in his uh, costume, uh, very much reminiscent of how they draw Batman, where you get just the hint of the main color scheme of, you know, Batman in this case, it being Nightwing with his nice high uh, 70s uh, John Travolta-esque uh, cover. Um, and this goes to show the character of Batman and Nightwing that, you know, Nightwing is calmly going through and, you know, asking everybody, you know, what they've heard. And even as the uh, patrons or the drunks are saying they don't know anything, Dick is still very calm about it. And even proceeds to go to the one guy that's been beaten up the most and ask him, you know, well, what did you tell Batman? And uh, Dick proceeds to then uh, call for an ambulance, something that Batman totally wouldn't do. But I always liked that about the Dick Grayson character that it was always restrained, had, had learned those uh, lessons from Bruce and saying, you know, think with your head, not with your fist. And clearly Batman is doing... Uh, the complete opposite. He's thinking with both fists, feet, legs, head, and thinking is not even on the forefront of his mind. So I think that's just a, a really cool beat that uh, Wolfman put in here to kind of show the humanity that Dick Grayson still has, even while trying to figure all of this out. Um, I think it's really, this is a, a part in the um, late eighties, early nineties where uh Batman's Batmobile, which we'll see again in a, a, a few panels here in a little bit. And the same thing can be said for uh, Nightwing's uh, very nice white or silver uh, motorcycle. It's uh, rather kind of boring here. There's uh, no markings that says this is the Night Trike or uh, the Nightwing Mobile or <laughs> the Night Bike or wh whatever that might be. Um, I always just... I don't know if you would call it lazy drawing or or what that might be, but uh, the late 80s and 90s just seemed to be one of those, if you were a superhero that had a, a mode of transportation, uh, they were always kind of drawn uh, boring and bland. There was nothing ever really uh, special about them until we get into uh, the latter part of the 90s and the uh, the 2000s. And some people will probably argue and say, well, come on, Rob, there, there were some really good-looking Batmobiles, but... I think during this time frame, there were a lot of boring Batmobiles and uh, 
I think even even right now in the new 52, Nightwing's bike is nothing special to write home about that says this is a superhero's motorcycle. So I always just thought that um, in this time frame, looking at Nightwing here, uh, riding his nice white bike, it looks like he could have walked right out of the bar and said, oh, I'm going to take this one. So, um, And uh, once Nightwing arrives to the uh, explosion, uh it's it's just drawn really well to show that Nightwing still cares about his mentor and he's frantically trying to you know find him through the rubble and everything like that. And uh, something I uh, I noticed uh, about Batman that he is still in his mind he hears Dick Grayson and is instantly wanting to you know call him Robin and I like that um, Wolfman kind of puts that nod there that he says you know. Ru- Nightwing, what are you doing here? That he would have, you know, probably, in fact, have said uh, Robin. And uh, just in, in typical Batman form that, you know, I don't need to tell you anything that you need to know. I'm doing this. Um, why are you here? I could have done this all on my own. And in some cases, uh, and probably in more cases than uh, Batman would, would realize, but us as the readers would find out that Batman usually does need help. He's usually got himself buried and it takes somebody else coming along to dig him out of the pile or, you know, cuts the wire at the last possible second for Batman sometimes. And Batman says, well, I had it under control. And you're the reader kind of going, uh, you kind of didn't, but, uh, you know, it's Batman. I'm sure he definitely would have gotten out of it, but Batman, uh, is offering no, um, reasoning for what he's doing to Nightwing doesn't feel a Nightwing needs to know anything. And even when uh, Dick calls him out on it, Batman just abruptly turns away. And uh, there's the shot of the Batmobile. Again, I apologize. Uh, looking at this digitally, I can't say page three, panel 14. Um, but it's the, uh, at least on digitally for me, it's the side-by-side panel of Nightwing on his nice white bike doing a uh, wheelie. And then the next panel right next to it is Batman and his convertible, uh, his blue convertible with uh, the markings of what looks kind of like a bat on the front of it, but it's, it's again, it's nothing really special. It's just an an average looking convertible with a little high spoiler. There's no fins. There's no nothing on it. But you do have the uh, yellow lights. That if you remember the superpowers or the super friends, that kind of '66 uh, version Batmobile with the yellow lights. That's kind of what we're uh, looking at here. And uh, the inner uh, monologue that's playing in through Dick this whole entire time of, uh, you know, Bruce, what is going on? Why, why are you shunning me? Why, why are you being the tar out of all these people, leaving teeth on the ground uh, from all the thugs? Uh, you're not wanting to ask for help. I mean, Dick deep down knows, and the underline is it. This has to do with Jason. But the fact that Bruce can't uh, pull himself together uh, to do this, to talk about anything, because uh, Bruce is the one-man army, and it's it's bothering Dick. And uh, I think there's some parallels here that uh, it's starting to bother Dick now, too, to the point that he's going to start to lose control. And it's... It's always funny when somebody else gets angry. Sometimes you find yourself getting angry because they're getting angry. And the person that's getting angry goes, I don't know why you're lashing out. I'm the one with the problem. But somebody else's problem usually affects yours. And I think that's done uh, pretty well here. Uh, we get back to uh, Wayne Manor. And it's this is done really nice, uh, at least digitally. Um, 
I don't think this would have worked back just reading the issue by itself because your eyes can kind of wander. And that is one of the nice things about uh, digital. Uh, they will focus on the panels or the parts of the panels that they want you to look at. And when Alfred is returning home and saying he probably could could have and should have said more to the parole board, uh, we see him walk through uh, Wayne Manor and get to this one photo and the... Uh, dialogue uh, that the inner dialogue that Alfred has that you think he's talking about Dick and uh, he's touching a photo of that's you really can't tell for the first couple uh, panels of who or what it is but Alfred is saying you know I failed you I, I should have been there for you and you believe that he's talking about Dick and then you see where his hand is placed is like oh he's he's got his hand placed on Bruce a little bit but it still looks like uh, he's talking about Bruce and the panel gets closer and closer each time you, you know, swipe your finger, tap the page, it's getting closer and closer till you finally get the, uh, close up on Bruce. And Alfred says that this whole time uh, for these last two issues, you think not that Al Alfred isn't concerned about Dick, but, uh, his main concern is about Bruce with Tony Zuko getting out. You, know, you put Tony Zuko in to help, uh, Dick with the healing process, but it also affected Bruce. So now this guy is going to get back out. And I think this is our first clue of what, of what Batman's main problem is. He's already lost Jason. And now the guy that has killed Dick's parents is going to be out. What is that going to do to Dick? So Bruce is almost um, self-imposing what Dick's anger could be if Dick finds out. So Bruce, I think, is trying frantically to make sure this doesn't happen and trying to track down where Tony is going to be when he gets out so Dick doesn't have to deal with it. And you tack on Jason's death on top of this, and Bruce is burning the candle at both ends. Or in uh, Bruce's case, he's probably lighting the candle at both ends and in the middle, and there's nowhere else for Bruce to go. Uh, the book does this... Uh, it, now in the New 52, and even probably before the New 52, um, when you would do a flashback, you would get an, an indicator of like, uh, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, this story doesn't do that. Um, I know when I was first reading um, the issues that I had, I had kind of read it and I would go, well, wait a minute, now now Dick's a kid. And it would take sometimes a couple panels for you to realize, oh, we're, we're back in time, we're in a flashback. And we see... Uh, Alfred picking up Dick and they're riding uh, back to uh, Wayne Manor and uh, Sister Mary has kind of expressed her concerns that Bruce is um, um, he's a bit of a man whore <laughs> that she's reading all of these things about Bruce Wayne and uh, Alfred is basically saying you know don't believe everything you read in the paper you know Mr. Wayne has uh, Master Grayson's best interest at heart and uh, Dick even makes mention of that, basically saying, with all the money that Bruce has, why, why is he choosing me when he, when he could have any kid to, you know, adopt or take in as his ward or you know be like the hey look at what I'm doing I'm doing a good thing I'm taking this kid who has nothing and going to turn him into something, and I like that Alfred points out that you know Bruce Wayne was there the night your parents died and he sees part of himself in you and that his parents were too 
uh, were also uh, killed by a criminal. So there's a parallel between the two of you. And it's kind of like, Alfred, why don't you quit talking? You're, you're going to be uh, uh, giving away Bruce's secret, but he's going to do that rather, rather quickly. Um, you know, them arriving to Wayne Manor. And uh, this is the part of a story that I always found is done is the part that always kind of bothered me that these uh, next few panels uh, and the story beats happen so fast that it's literally, we walk in the house. Uh, Dick mentions how large the house is. This is so cool. Uh, Bruce comes out of nowhere, uh, AKA behind the grandfather clock. And uh, Dick's wanting to point out, well, you weren't just here a second ago. And Bruce is like, Oh, let's go take a tour of Wayne Manor shows him around and then asks him, well, Hey, uh, now that uh, you've seen the place, uh, you mentioned that you wanted to see Tony Zuko killed. Is that is that true? He said, "No, no, no, it's not true." You know, I I don't feel that way anymore. I just want to bring him to justice. And then it's like at that moment, it's like, "Whoa, you mentioned justice." Well, it's funny that you said that because I fight justice. Come follow me, <laughs> you know. And they're on their way uh, downstairs through the grandfather clock and uh, get down to the bottom of the stairs. And uh, there's a wonderful panel here of Alfred. Um, it looks digitally that it does mention uh, 10, which I believe this is probably the bottom of page 10. So if you do have the book, I think it's supposed to be page 10, but I can't tell digitally. But it's this look of Alfred. <laughs> Alfred? <laughs> this look of Alfred that's kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I think it's just, it's wonderfully done. Pat Broderick does a wonderful job of, uh, and there's no uh, word balloons for Alfred. There's no inner monologue for Alfred. Everything that you know that Alfred is saying, you can read on his face. It's the, what the hell are you telling this kid? I don't even like what you're doing. So... <laughs> They're they're instantly down into the Batcave, and Batman gives him his spiel, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm Batman. Do you want to help? And Dick, you know, of course, is awestruck and is like, yes, yes, I want to help. On, on what planet do you get this kid in your house that you know nothing about? You are day one. They, he, Dick's probably been in Wayne Manor for probably an hour, and uh, you're already convinced that this kid wants to be your partner. Wouldn't you have chosen somebody that's not 12 or 13 years old? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, nice as a kid to read this, like, Oh, I get to be Batman's partner. But as an adult, you would think you would want a partner. That's probably a little bit older. And I get the whole, you know, you'll be able to pass this along and that the, your quote unquote son will be able to continue the fight long after you're gone. I don't think Bruce is, thinking that far, but Alfred does mention that uh, a few panels before of when you get to the end of one's mortality and passing things to father to son. So that, that beat is, is hit here, but that this always, this part has always struck me funny. I think other versions of the origin of Dick Grayson becoming Robin is done a little bit better where it's probably a few weeks or months that Dick is in the house with Bruce that he can kind of see who this kid is. So this is one beat that has never really <laughs> set well with me being a, a Robin fan or even a Batman fan. It's like you just let this kid in your house and you're already uh, willing to go, come on, let me show you my secret. 
Who's to say this kid's not going to go, oh, okay, I just forgot. I left something at Sister Mary's uh, at the convent. I'll be right back. And he rushes back down there. It's like, Bruce Wayne is Batman. He's the vigilante the police want. So uh, I think it's a little, <laughs> little misstep. I at least think uh, uh, Wolfman probably could have uh, stretched this out over the course of, since this is all done in flashback, you didn't have to do this in issue two. You could have done this and brought him to the house in issue two, but maybe in issue uh, three of of the series, or even four of him uh, being uh, Robin, but we get the training montage and uh, the typical, you know, Dick studying and he's uh, fighting alongside of Batman, and uh, even making mention in '89 when this comes out that they received a new computer. Not everybody had computers, and even showing that. Uh, Bruce is going to have to be uh, learning and have to be taught how to use this computer. So I thought that was kind of a, a sign of the times. You could see how big everything is. And, and nowadays there would be superimposed digital screens flying around them, like kind of in the new 52. But but here it's the gigantic screens. And uh, something I always liked about the interior of the Batcave, that they, they were pretty consistent uh, through this time frame, that the floor is almost gold, like a gold brick pattern. I always thought that was kind of cool as a kid uh, reading the comics and seeing that uh, the Batcave had a gold floor. I don't know why that always just struck me as cool, but even now looking at the uh, the issue, uh, that's just kind of a, yeah, that's that's a my Batcave. And then we get the um, jump back into current continuity with... Uh, Alfred staring at the photo and the slam of the door. And it's, uh, this part is also, uh, odd and kind of weird too, that it's very rare that Batman, Robin, Nightwing, whomever, whomever it is, uh, just basically drives up to Wayne Manor and walks in the front door in their costume. It was something that Alfred was always like, I don't want the costumes in the house. It's, you know, basically for your own protection and I want to keep the house separate from the Batcave. And you can see in the panel where Alfred is coming down the stairs, you can see just like the corner edge of Batman's cape, which means he's clearly in Wayne Manor uh, heading to a study. And then Nightwing is coming in and Alfred still has this look of, uh, it's more of a like, you know, he's gone to the study, you know, uh, what's going on. And basically why the hell are you two in the house (laughs) in your costumes? Uh, Haven't I made that rule before? Dick is, this is the part that's always made me scratch my head. Dick is chasing down Bruce to go talk to him. So he's on this mission of like, don't you dare walk away from me. I'm going to come straight into the house and uh, I want to, I want to find out what the heck's going on with you. So Bruce goes right into the study, which clearly he's going down to the bat cave. So rather than go confront him, Alfred comes down the stairs and then Dick decides, you know what? Let's go upstairs to Jason's old room and let's, uh, go up and we'll point out all of the photos that are missing off the wall. Alfred lives in the house. He knows the photos are missing off the wall of Jason. Uh, why not continue to go right behind Bruce? But no, these two decide to go up, back up the stairs where Alfred just came from and have a conversation. And this, I guess this is a way to get us back into a flashback of Dick receiving his costume. But to me, this this beat could have been told a little bit later that... For story purposes, I th- I think it's it. I guess it's a little lazy on, at the point of it, it doesn't make any sense that you are chasing after Batman, but you are going to uh, not chase after him in the house, and you're going to 
talk with Alfred for a little bit and then be surprised that he's gone again. Well, if you hadn't talked to Alfred for an hour, you'd have been able to have the conversation with Bruce. But for us as a story, this is a nice little beat to get us the the origin of, or the very first Robin costume that Dick wears and that it's modeled after his circus costume, which I always thought that was was a neat thing. But I guess if anybody's reading the newspaper and would see Batman and Robin and then look at a photo of the Flying Graysons, you're going to be able to figure out that color scheme looks very familiar. Uh, where have I seen that before? Oh, yeah, Richard Grayson was wearing that as a f- member of the Flying Graysons. And Robin's costume is the same color scheme. It's a yellow cape with a bl- with a, a red tunic, and that's what Robin wears. And Dick Grayson is a ward of Bruce Wayne, and our Batman has a partner that wearing the same color scheme. I think you could see where I'm going there. The suspension of disbelief can play in that nobody puts that together, and it's probably been a little while since the Flying Graysons are around, and it's also probably one of those in you know this day and age, somebody can just Google the Flying Graysons. Back then, I couldn't tell you the last time I was at a circus and remember what the circus performer was wearing. So, you know, there you go. But I thought this was a, a nice... Uh, uh, panel of seeing Batman and Robin together for the first time in, you know, at least Dick Grayson with Batman in this you know, retelling of Dick's origin and something that they do here that I, I was never a fan of, of the late nineties Nightwing that they didn't white out his eyes. Like they did Batman. They, you actually can see his pupils and eyelashes and all that type of stuff. Um, I think the heroes just look better when they white out and have the little slits in their eye. Uh, but they keep that continuity for Dick here as he's Robin, and you can see his eyes, eyelashes, eyeballs, and all that type of stuff. So it looks a little funny being next to Batman with his white slits of an eye, and then you can see the actual eyeballs of uh, Dick, Grace, and Robin. But at least that's cool. At least they're keeping that the continuity. Uh, you have them, uh, Batman and Robin, uh, going out for the first time, tracking down... Uh, at least the seeds of trying to find Tony Zuko and that this is a front and uh, Batman making sure that Dick has all of his facts straight before they jump through the roof and that all this is going to pay off. All the training and everything is going to happen right at this day. Um, I, I think it's great that all the little quips and little uh, puns and everything that, uh, the Robin character is known for um, Wolfman does a really good job of bringing that out in, uh, in this. And it's, that's the fun side of uh, the Robin character for me that uh, the crooks are seeing uh, Robin for the very first time and they're calling him uh, punk. And uh, I love this line here. It says punk punk who cares my first appearance in public. And that's how you get me. I'm highly offended. I just think that's funny that he uh, says uh, the name's Robin. Uh, it's not Robin hood. You guys are hoods. So <laughs> uh, you're like, I'm going to call you creeps because that's what you are. Just the, this little, quip that uh, the Robin character has I always thought was just really cool um, and funny and the and the lighter side of Batman that it should be and uh, I like the uh, look of uh, Robin standing on top of the piles of the unconscious uh, crooks and says winner and still champions I'm sure this is <laughs> Batman looking over his shoulder going okay bring it down a notch you're at a 10 we need you to about a 1 because <laughs> that's how I am but then we jump back to uh, 
current continuity and Dick, you know, remembering all this and remembering everything that Bruce has taught him and knowing that that is how we're supposed to be handling ourselves, that we worked together as, as a team. We were methodical in what we were doing. We had every beat planned out and you are just, that you are going willy nilly through this and, uh, that they were, the two of them were methodical. They thought out every beat together. They knew exactly what each other was doing. And Bruce is not doing that here at all. And it's, it's angering Dick. Everything that you taught me, you were doing the complete opposite of and 10 times worse than the opposite. And Dick is angry and rightfully frustrated, you know, of all the people in the world that you should be able to talk to. I am the one you should be talking to. And Dick's mad. He's ticked. And he's like, you're not going to run away from me. You're not going to turn your back on me. And this is, uh, we're going to have this confrontation. So now Dick and Alfred go back down the steps and they're going to uh, talk uh, about it. Uh, Digitally, uh, what I don't like about uh, digital issues is that some panels are taller than the others or longer than the others. So some of these skinny panels are you got to turn your phone sideways, left, right, and, you know, make them bigger, smaller, taller. So I'm, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I don't want to have to read them digitally, but, uh, it's kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say a pain, but having to flip your phone around. But this, uh, for me, uh, this section of panels here, uh, has, was always weird to try and figure out what was going on. We're at a warehouse, and uh, Ventura is talking to his men. He's getting ready to go toward, to the dinner, saying, you know, we're going to find out who's uh, rubbing all of us out, and uh, the families we will get uh, get to the bottom of it just as some armed uh, thugs are landing on the roof. You kind of get the uh, look from the skylight that they have their guns. Uh, supposedly, or apparently, getting ready to, you know, wipe out a Ventura it then cuts to where the families are and they're uh, giving a toast to uh, Ventura and his men, which I, if I'm understanding this right, that they have been killed. The families know about it. And it's a toast that these were good guys. Um, and I've looked back and forth through everybody here at the panel and there's nobody that looks like uh, Ventura here. Um, Ventura is wearing a brown suit and he's got red hair and a mustache. And if you look at the uh, panel, of everybody sitting around a table. The only person that's in a brown suit is bald and gray hair. Adventure was supposed to be there and is not. So uh, if, if I'm understanding that correctly, that they have been killed and the families are like, we have yet, we have lost another person. And this is just the families uh, discussing, you know, what are we going to do? Tony's got this book and, you know, maybe somebody had this book and is choosing to rub all of us out, take us out of the equation. So they've got to figure up what's going on. And I'm sure the families know that Tony, he's going to, he's going to be released from prison. If he gets out from prison, they're all screwed. Um, This isn't matches Malone, but uh, this is something that they did in the eighties and uh, not so much of a nineties, but uh, the mid to late eighties of a Batman being somewhere and, uh, listening in and always having his costume somewhere and uh, Batman dressed up as a waiter underneath the uh, serving tray is the cowl of Batman to let you know, Hey, this guy is Batman. Why does he have a, a Batman cowl? So even to the part where <laughs> 
Bruce is in the middle. He's got his uh, matches disguise, although it's not matches Malone. But he's got his mustache on. He's lifting up the serving tray right in basically front of everybody. So if somebody was looking over at the waiter going, uh, what's this waiter doing? But, you know, he lifts up the cover and goes around the corner and uh, starts dressing as uh, Batman. And now that we're in the day and age of watching, you know, The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins and all these and watching all the deleted scenes and hearing how long it takes to get in the Batman costume and that sometimes they need two and three people to... Uh, help put the costume on, and here's Batman, the do-do-do-do-do, putting it on by himself. Again, suspension of disbelief. Don't ruin the illusion, Rob. You know, the family's basically deciding we're going to spill blood, and if we can't uh, bring the assassin out to us, or if we can't uh, find the assassin, we'll bring the assassin out to us. And uh, this is uh, Batman just showing up out of nowhere, saying he has an idea if the families would be willing to hear it. And, of course, this is like... (laughs) I don't care what idea you have. You're Batman. You're still the bane of our existence. Uh, so I think it's time to shoot you. <laughs> uh, and then the last few panels here are of Tony Zuko saying, uh, you know, asking, is he going to be getting out? This is, an, I wouldn't say a nice, uh, evil-looking Tony Zuko as uh, he uh, should be drawn. In uh, some of the current comics, they have him just looking like this just normal guy, but he's got this red hair, and he's got thick red eyebrows, and these beady yellow eyes, and uh, he's just waiting for the judge to sign off on his parole release that he has been waiting 10 long years, and he and his little black book are basically going to bring Gotham to its knees, and uh, even telling his lawyer that he knows everybody's secrets, and it's like, everybody's basically even saying to his lawyer, uh, you're going to do this stuff for me. You're going to get me out of here because I know secrets about you too. Again, we have uh, a panel of Dick racing out of the Batcave on his uh, white bland uh, Nightwing cycle or just a motorcycle. (laughs) Alfred uh, basically lamenting about everything's unraveling. Bruce's... uh, there's there's no reasoning with Bruce anymore. He is at his end, and uh, now uh, Master Grayson is full of anger and rage, and uh, all this is coming to a head. And it's all because of Tony Zuko. Somebody has to come and put Tony Zuko at an end. Um, I thought this was another uh, really good issue. It moves it moves rather slow in the read. I know this was one that. I, there's just so much going on that Wolfman is really putting inside uh, this issue that, I, again, I think I said it the last time, that you could have uh, split this out. And probably over, if this was in the New 52, this would have gone over eight issues. If this was at the hands of uh, Scott Snyder, uh, we probably could have had a whole issue. Uh, what actually probably would have happened, this would have been in the Batman title the main Batman story and all the flashback stuff would have been handled in the Nightwing title. I think this could have gone for eight issues rather than four. You could have done four issues of the flashback stuff with uh, Bruce taking uh, in Dick Grayson and the circus. And then you do the last four of the main story, but it's, it, it does a nice flip flop back and forth. Again, this is uh Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. And, uh, Hopefully most of you are tuning in to hear about uh, Tim Drake, and Tim is not in these first four stories other than the very uh, first issue of Batman 436. 
trust me, once we get through this uh, again, uh, this is the uh, the building blocks for what uh, Tim Drake is going to be uh, dealing with as his time as uh, Robin or uh, for a while here of him just being Tim Drake, uh, computer geek uh, to Batman. Once he finds out Tim has some computer skills, um, he's not getting the training for Robin. It's it's baby steps for Tim. And this is where all the building blocks of this are. It's Batman coming to a realization that he won't get to till the only place of dying. But it's uh, Dick sifting through everything that he has gone through uh, coming out of the Teen Titans and stuff from the Judas contract. And him only still being Nightwing just for um, you know a couple years here. Because it's only been a couple years since uh, uh, Jason has been Robin and still kind of at that limbo of like, is this what I want to do? Am I going to be, am I going to be Nightwing? Uh, he's already kind of made that decision, but he's trying to uh, still figure all this out. Thanks for tuning in to episode number two for Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. Again, it's, I apologize for it being a little late. Uh, the holidays hit and I decided to release uh, launched the uh, podcast uh, during the month of December, then uh, Christmas and New Year's hit, and then my wife and I both decided to get sick right around the same time. So trying to uh, get all this, get a second episode out in the month of December just really got away from me. But we can start the new year off, and uh, episode number three will happen on a timely manner. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it, much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. You can find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. There you can leave comments on current episodes, as well as by heading over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Leave a comment there also. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one, and I'll read it at r10myers at yahoo.com that's r as in robin 10myers at yahoo.com and I'll read it I love to read emails on air thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake we'll see you in a few weeks take care